of the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! For another exciting episode of Matt Spectro through the multiverse. As always, I'm your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, and you've reached the podcast that talks comic books and comic book animation. I'm going to briefly explain the rules and then we're going to get right into it. Uh, comic book animation, rule number one, I just said that. Rule number two, huge fan of the old team up books, Brave and the Bold, Marvel Team Up, DC Comics Presents. So it's a team-up podcast. Every week, me and a special guest delving into the world of comic books and delving into the world of animation. Third, and most importantly, we got to have fun. Welcome to episode 90, believe it or not. Without any further ado, I'm going to bring my guest right on to the show. It's been a while since he's been with us. He was last here. For the All-Star Superman episode, it's his first appearance on the multiverse here in 2023. Welcome back to the multiverse, Jamie. Hello again. Hey, thanks for coming back. Welcome to episode 90. Oh, wow. Wow. Almost to 100 there. Yeah, we're coming up to, not only coming up to the two-year anniversary special, also coming up to our 100th anniversary episode as well. Is it an anniversary? I guess just 100th episode. Spectacular, I guess you'd call it. (laughs) A different sort of anniversary. (laughs) Been a while since you've been with us. Welcome to 2023 and welcome back. This is going to be hard to believe. I was looking into it, but uh, this is going to be the first time in the 2023 I'm actually going to be on talking Marvel comic books. Here we are in mid-February and we have not discussed anything Marvel in 2023. I think that may send more about like kind of Marvel's animation stuff more than anything. This is your third appearance, and it's also your first time ever talking Marvel. And your previous two appearances, we did not talk Marvel Comics either. No, yeah. And honestly, it makes sense. I've been kind of more of a DC fanboy for uh, pretty much ever. So there's not a t- as much Marvel in like kind of what I love to read and everything. As a kid and a teenager, I was more of a Marvel fan, but I got to say in the last decade or so, I've really gone over more to DC than Marvel. But we're going to get into it. We're going to discuss for the first time ever, we're going to be discussing the Marvel, I don't know if you call them anti-heroes or what you call them, but we're going to be talking the Thunderbolts. Uh, now, this was kind of, well, it was, I don't know if it's your idea. We sort of talked about it, but uh, this is, uh, I believe you said is either your favorite superhero group or your favorite comic book which is it probably both honestly like i love the thunderbolts i like since i like first read it i started reading like actually like picking up and reading single issues as they came out with like uh it's like the 2010s when it was like luke cage leading the team uh and i just like thought it was really cool and then i went back to the beginning with like kurt busiak's run and just basically just read it all from there from start to end and I guess in a good way that we uh, held off because now we also have the news of uh, the MCU announcing and has a Thunderbolts film on their uh, pending schedule. We're going to get into that a little bit later on. 
Uh, for anybody who doesn't know the Thunderbolt, and I'm going to have you, uh, even though I'm the host, you're going to be a little bit more in the <laughs> hosting chair this week because you know infinitely more about the Thunderbolts than I do. Yeah, <laughs> probably more than the average comic book fan, I would say. Anyone unfamiliar, they were uh, a group of supervillains masquerading as superheroes. And I honestly don't even know uh, what was their purpose uh, to do this. Originally, the Thunderbolts War, it was Baron Zemo and like the Masters of Evil from around this time. And it was basically brought about because of the there's the Onslaught crossover that happened in the 90s there. That's a whole other thing where like Professor X's evil dark side and stuff like that. But at the end of it, essentially, everyone thought a bunch of superheroes were dead. And it was like the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, uh, and they had actually been taken to a counter earth which is this is when we got heroes reborn where they had like rob liefeld and jim lee take over some of the marvel titles for a little there because they were trying to freshen up the characters essentially but basically while they were gone the avengers the masters of evil thought like, like hey there's this power vacuum of the avengers the fantastic four all the heroes that people actually really know and love while like we're left with like Spider-Man and the X-Men who may not be as trusted by the public. If we kind of step in, fulfill that role, we can get access to basically all their stuff, like all their like technology, their like different like computer files on everybody for like super different other heroes, stuff like that, all their shield access. So it was basically just kind of a, a part of a grand scheme to like essentially just steal the Avengers stuff ultimately. Um, and to my knowledge, it's really the first story of its kind in comics. There's been heel turns and babyface turns in comics, but I don't think there's ever been, before this been a a group of established villains hiding under the guise of being heroes. Yeah, no, not as much. As I think. Like, I know they've done some similar stuff before, but it's really, especially as like the main premise of the comic, which kind of, it's like the famous twist now that they revealed it in like the very first issue at the end. There's the dramatic reveal of Zemo putting on his hood again. And then you're like, whoa, it's the Masters of Evil. But like throughout the entire comic, that's like been like the main thing of especially during that first run of, yeah, these are villains in disguise and they're constantly trying to like outmaneuver other heroes and the shield and the public to like make you actually think they're heroes. So we're going back to was a little disputed in the research I did whether this came out at the end of 1996 or in 1997. The characters themselves, okay, the Thunderbolts concept, I'll say, created by Kurt Busaic and Mark Bagley, even though they didn't create the actual characters. Uh, the original lineup was uh, Baron Zemo II, Goliath, a.k.a. Power Man, The Beetle, The Fixer, Screaming Mimi, and Moonstone, and uh, you're gonna have to help me with their uh, their assumed identities when they became heroes. I know Baron Zemo was Citizen V. Yeah, and now honestly, most of them have transitioned to using these ide- their hero identities more in the comics too. Of uh, I think Zemo, Moonstone, and Fixer are the only ones who kind of reverted back. But yeah, Zemo became Citizen V. Uh, Fixer became Techno. Goliath slash Power Man uh, became Atlas. Uh, Screaming Mimi became Songbird. The Beetle became Mach 1. And then there's a running joke of anytime he gets an upgrade to his suit, he like changes that. And I believe he's actually up to Mach 10 now or something like that. <laughs> and uh, Moonstone became Meteorite. 
Now, even though they they created him, their first appearance was actually Incredible Hulk uh, 449 back in 1997. Peter David and Mike Diotto did that issue as well. Now, I read that issue because back then I was a big Hulk fan and I didn't miss an issue. Mm-hmm. Then they got their own comic book. Thunderbolts number one came out in 1997. Believe it or not, that uh, I was surprised looking into this. It ran all the way to issue 175. Yep. Then it became the Dark Avengers. Mm-hmm. And then that ended with issue 190. So here are the Thunderbolts. 190 issues this story ran. And that's not counting like relaunches and whatnot. Yeah, it basically lasted up until like the the soft reboot they did with the Marvel Now there in like 2012. Now, I don't much get into the whole comics are dying, comics are doing better than ever debate, but it really is in the corner of comics don't do as well as they used to because there's a time period from the late 80s to the early 2000s where Marvel and DC could give minor characters, second-rate characters, their own series, and sometimes it's lasting two, three, four years. I mean, in this case, that's like what? uh, That's like a 10, 12-year period, like... Like nowadays, uh, you can't give a, a Marvel or DC character that, you know, you can't give like a secondary character their own book and have it. You're lucky if it even lasts a year. Yeah. And unfortunately, is I think just like changing times or I know it's a thing, especially in like physical stuff of just uh, and most stuff. If it's not like a huge character, it doesn't unfortunately sell as well. So but they still do a lot of like those little mini series that are pretty fun with different side characters that I know they've done a couple with Thunderbolts as since then, at least. Yeah, you will get a lot of miniseries because a lot of times with solicitations, the comic shop is, has ordered like the first three or four issues. So they know if they do like a six issue miniseries or whatnot, they know they don't have to cancel it because uh, even if it doesn't do well, most shops are going to order at least the first three, maybe four issues. And you get to slap a big number one on the cover. Exactly. With variant covers, you know, so you can get people to buy the variants. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, and then I looked it up. Um, they've had various like relaunches, and I, like it looked to me like everybody from Hawkeye was their leader to Luke Cage at one point. Um, wasn't the Kingpin their leader at one point as well? Oh yeah, yeah. That was actually the most recent version of the. They had the whole storyline where Kingpin basically became the mayor of New York there, and he uh, basically kind of formed his own Thunderbolts as like a kind of like a counter to the Avengers of like these are like new New York sponsored. These are our our superhero team, essentially. And uh, I only bring this up, but uh, Kurt Busiek, he came up with the idea on a drive to New England. So I just had to bring that up since, you know, we represent New England. I had to bring it up. That our part of the country, it inspired him to come up with the Thunderbolts. <laughs> yeah, that long drive. I know it, it's a story he's always told and stuff about it. <laughs> Would you say the original run is the, the best run of the, of the Thunderbolts? Uh, it's honestly kind of hard to say. I know as I'm just a fan of all the different versions in general, the original one is very like classic Marvel, like stories and stuff, I would say. Uh, and then just kind of as like times have changed, they kind of also evolved with them because like during when civil war happened and stuff started a lot more kind of uh, like more realistic kind of elements in comics became more prominent. They became kind of like a suicide squad almost in the Marvel. Cause that's when it was like bullseye and venom were on the team. 
Uh, and then just kind of as the ages and stuff have gone on throughout Marvel history, they've kind of just adapted with the times. But it's probably that or that Civil War run, just because that one has more iconic characters in general, I would say, of more bigger names, at least. And uh, looking into it, a lot of the artwork, uh, safe to say their original looks are a little influenced by the 90s. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's also just Mark Bagley's style. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, <laughs> even on his Ultimate Spider-Man run there for the entirety of that series, that's still like, that's the art you get. <laughs> now. uh you're probably at this point wondering, uh, no one recalls uh, Thunderbolts having their own cartoon, but that is true. So instead, we're going to be dis- discussing an episode they appeared on Avengers Assemble. I've done a few Avengers episodes, so we're not going to get into the full history of the Avengers. Anyone doesn't know that uh, they're basically the Justice League of the Marvel Universe, where <laughs> in the early 60s, 1963, they took like five of their characters that all had appeared in other things and put them together in a group, the legendary Stanley and Jack Kirby. And that group's been around ever since. And they've had multiple cartoons over the time. Avengers Assemble, uh, it ran on Disney XD from 2013 to 2019. This was a uh, Marvel animation in a uh, Sunman image pictures, Lodo animation. Now, uh, at the time, I believe it was, a. Uh, Right before this, uh, it was Earth's Mightiest Heroes was running, and it wasn't per se, well, there's been a lot of debates back and forth uh, where some people say that it was because of the success at the MCU, Earth's Mightiest Heroes was canceled so they could go into Avengers Assemble, which would be, according to Joe Casado, was uh, highly uh, influenced and by the tone and the look of the MCU. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's been a long standing kind of thing. I know with like Marvel animation fans of just because around this same time, I know they also had the they had a Spider-Man cartoon and uh, they also then later the Guardians of the Galaxy show that are all kind of like connected. Uh, and I know another spider, the Spectacular Spider-Man show was on before it and also got canceled for similar reasons to kind of make way after the success of the MCU there. And Eric Radomski was put in charge of production. Uh, what I find weird about that is, in a way, I'm thinking, okay, it makes sense. The movie made in America about $600 million, over a billion worldwide. So I can understand the logic of trying to make the cartoon resemble that. But at the same time, wasn't this when the whole, the all-new, all-different Marvel was going on, where they replaced, like, half of the lineup of the Avengers? <laughs> <laughs> so it's bizarre to me, because the comics, I think, would be their priority to sell. You're going to do an Avengers cartoon, it's going to get watched, so... It's kind of a weird dynamic where you're making one like the movie, but the other one, you don't seem to care. Yeah, it, a lot of it, the choices, especially even just watching it, I've never really watched a ton of Avengers Assemble before, but it's definitely even just like this single episode, those like, oh yeah, this is definitely like pattern after the MCU for sure of just the look of the characters, kind of the attitude and dynamics, or even who's on the team too. Well, it's pretty much in the lineup Exactly from the first movie, except they added Falcon. Mm-hmm. And Falcon is supposed to be the quote unquote the the voice of the audience. Now, um, this is supposedly apparently this is not the first animated appearance of the Thunderbolts. Uh, some version of them appeared in Ultimate Spider-Man. Did you uh, watch that? I would say the name <laughs> appeared. Uh, I've seen some of <laughs> Ultimate Spider-Man. It's it's fine. It's not like honestly. I, 
not really like a hot take. I don't really think a lot of the Marvel animation shows have been that good. I think they're neat of using a lot of characters, uh, but just in terms of like kind of the animation or like the writing hasn't been so great. And that was also one of my problems was Ultimate Spider-Man. But they did a version of the team did appear there. But that one, it was like Taskmaster, Cloak and Dagger and Vulture, I think. And they were like working for the Green Goblin. So they kind of just used the name as like, we have like a group of bad guys, essentially. Yeah, I, I've done a handful of episodes in some of the Marvel animation. It usually is okay. Um, none of it has really, other than that I am impressed by the library of characters they use, none of it has really knocked my socks off as of yet. I think that's ultimately kind of just like what a lot of, the, especially the, the more recent ones have been, where it's just like they have this huge library of characters to use, like you said. So it's neat of like, oh, there's the trapster showed up in this episode or anything. Or like the main bad guy in this one's Armadillo. So it's like, okay, they're using lesser known characters. But the animation I I don't really think is always the best, unfortunately. Now, uh, I also wanted to bring up, uh, apparently the Thunderbolts have a, a catchphrase. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, <laughs> it, is it... <laughs> well, enlighten me here because... I looked it up, and one was like a long version, and then they had a shortened version. Is 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 the shortened version their actual catchphrase? I, it was more just kind of like the tagline for the comics, and I think it got used like maybe a couple times. But uh, justice like lightning. Yep, yeah, yeah, it was used in that first like kind of run when they're still masquerading as heroes, similar to how it's used actually in the episode of just like, yeah, we're a hero team. This is our catchphrase more than anything. All right, so we're going to go to April 10th, 2016, Avengers Assemble episode, The Thunderbolts. Now, this is uh, written by Mark Hoffmeyer, directed by uh, Phil Panini. We're going to be going over the uh, creator credit and the voice work for this episode. For The Thunderbolts himself, we're not going to go over The Avengers because I've done that before. Some of this is kind of convoluted because a lot of these characters have had like different names, different updates. So mm-hmm. I have to kind of give a lot of different credit. Now this is Baron Zemo. The second, uh, he was originally created by Roy Thomas, Tony Isabella, Sal Buscemi, And I believe he was called Phoenix in his first appearance because he rose from the ashes to avenge the original Baron Zemo. <laughs> but if you're going to count, it's Baron Zemo. You have to give credit to, J.M. DeMatteis and Mike Zeck, who brought him back in, a, in Captain America, and they were the first ones to introduce him, adopting the Baron Zemo uh, moniker. He's voiced by David Kay. Done a lot of voice work in both video games and uh, animation. Uh, he's Professor X on X-Men Evolution, uh, and he was Duckworth on the uh, DuckTales reboot as well. Uh, as we'll see with like a bunch of the people who are kind of in the voice cast, there's he's like a like a really big name in voice acting. I would say I, he's been in a ton of stuff I am familiar with. I know. And uh, Zemo is, I mean, it's a little generic to do the son of a villain that you never knew existed who look adopts the same thing. But if you look about the history of comics, this this Zemo has done much more and had much more of an Im- impact in comic books. Uh, the original one died back in the '60s and other than pretty much was responsible for killing Bucky until you found out he didn't really do it. <laughs> there, there was, there's been a lot more sto- good stories and impact with this Z- version of Zemo. 
in this host's humble opinion. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, especially just exactly what you said there. Like the original died not too long after he kind of formed the Masters of Evil and stuff, if I remember correctly. So it's just like, yeah, we've had like 50 years now with the other character. So, of course, he's gotten more stuff to do. <laughs> and I, I could be, I might have him confused with another character, but I swore there was a plot with part of the reason he hated Cap. The original one is because Cap accidentally caused the original Zemo's mask to get glued to his face. Yeah, I believe yeah. that's so. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I guess, it's not as offensive as accidentally causing you to lose your hair, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then we're going to go to Atlas, a.k.a. Goliath, a.k.a. Power Man. Uh, he was originally created by Stan Lee and Don Heck back in the 60s, but if you're going to count him as Goliath, uh, it was Bob Harris, Luke McDonald, back in Iron Man Annual 7 that turned him from Power Man into Goliath. And uh, he is voiced by uh, Jesse Birch. He's done a lot of video game acting as well as, uh, well, voiceover video game. And he's, he hasn't done much voiceover work in the world of animation. He's done a lot of bit character acting and a lot of TV shows. But I, I, I have to mention that in the 2006 Lord of the Rings video game Battle for Middle Earth, <laughs> he, he voiced probably the most important character in the history of J.R.R. Tolkien's work. Tom Bombadil. <laughs> what an important role. <laughs> the most beloved character, legions of fans that have still not forgiven Peter Jackson for taking him out of the trilogy. <laughs> Think what about what they do without one side chapter that has nothing to do with the actual story. <laughs> I also think, uh, I don't know if this might be just some corner of Twitter that Tom Bombadil has been de- now declared the first LGBT token character. Uh, but I could be wrong about that. Now, here's the thing about Goliath that's also interesting. When he was Power Man, and you might like this because I know later in life you've become more of a wrestling fan, he had a fight with Luke Cage, and the winner of the fight got to use the moniker Power Man. <laughs> that is some goofy wrestling stuff for comics. <laughs> As we all know, Luke Cage won that one. All right, we're going to go over to uh, Songbird, a.k.a. Screaming Mimi. Speaking of wrestling, she was originally one of the uh, those evil female wrestlers. Uh, I can't remember their name. The Grapplers, I think, were their names, but I could be wrong. Uh, she was created by uh, Mark Grunewald, Ralph Macchio, John Byrne created her. Now, she is voiced uh, by Jennifer Hale, who um, done a lot of voice acting, like you had said, in uh, video games and... Uh, Animation, she's uh, Thorn, the lead singer of the Hex Girls. So you must know the Hex Girls. Oh, of course. And also, yeah, Jennifer Hale is like voice acting like Pantheon up there, basically. She's like prolific with like how many voices she's done just over the years. In uh, 2013, apparently Guinness Book of World Records recognized her as the most prolific video game female voice actress. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I know she's also done a ton of stuff there, too. So, yeah, not surprising at all. <laughs> the Fixer, a.k.a. Techno, which to me has always been. Maybe he's better in Thunderbolts, but the Fixer to me was always a lame character. Um, he, Stanley Jack Kirby created him. He is uh, a Rick Wasserman had done his voice. Again, another voice actor. He's done plenty of things like uh, 
He was the voice of Thor on Earth's Mightiest Heroes. He's also the narrator on uh, the Werewolf by Night holiday special they did on the Disney Plus show. Oh, really? Actually, I did not know that one. Moonstone, a.k.a. Meteorite. Here's another one that's kind of weird. She's originally created by Marv Wolfman and Frank Robbins. But you have to also give credit because it was she wasn't officially Moonstone until later on, and that was done by Roger Stern, Peter Gillis, and Sal Buscemi. A lot of people, you have to give credit for uh, the creation of that character. And uh, she is voiced by Elizabeth Daly, who has done many things. She was Dottie in the film Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was uh, Tommy Pickles on Rugrats, which I believe she came back for the, uh, the reboot. And I didn't know this until doing the research for the episode. She actually does the singing voice of Jake Harper in the opening credits of Two and a Half Men. All right, that's a weirdly specific thing. <laughs> yeah, she does the men, 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 menly men. <laughs> yeah, I also, uh, I also know she does the voice of she's Buttercup from the Powerpuff Girls too. Yeah, that is correct. She also, uh, she's appeared in a lot of live action stuff. Uh, she was in the movie Better Off Dead. Appeared in a lot of television shows and a lot of voice work. Finally, we have the Beatle. Beetle was created by uh, Stan Lee and Carl Burgess, a.k.a. Mach 4, Mark, Mark 1, whatever you call him. He's voiced by a Mark Hansen. This was weird. I couldn't find any other accredited work for this guy. Yeah, um, I know I looked briefly. I think he's just mostly done more video game work because I know from what I had seen, I know there's a lot of crossover between voice acting for both video games and animation. So that's not crazy, but... There's a lot of like, I saw like some Final Fantasy stuff like that there. Yeah, I figured he had to have done something because uh, everybody else in this has done like so much work and other stuff, but I couldn't find any. I mean, granted, I didn't scour the, the far reaches of the internet, but <laughs> I couldn't find anything for the Beatle. Uh, do you have a preference? Like, do you think any of them were actually improved upon in a better design and name as a Thunderbolt? Honestly, I think the ones that have kind of stuck are just the ones that are generally better. Like, to this day, Screaming Mimi is Songbird now. She's been that for almost more time than she was ever Screaming Mimi. And like same with uh, the transition between the Beatle to Mach 1, 2, 3, whatever you want to call them. Those are the ones that have really kind of stuck. Well, like other ones, like Moonstone has just been Moonstone pretty much after every since like their identities were revealed. And then also the Fixer reverted back. Now, I got to say, I understand why you can't keep them that way, but I think Citizen V, Zemo, has one of the best designs of the original characters, I think, and on the show. I think his design is great. It's a shame they couldn't keep him as that character. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I believe, from what I remember uh, from the comics and stuff, too, it was when he had first appeared, they kind of retroactively added him back. Like, there was a previous Citizen V during, like, World War II. So, like, when Captain America saw him, he was like, oh... I recognize this outfit and everything. And then it kind of been in a, another ploy by Zemo to like kind of lull Cap back once Cap had returned and everything down the road after the series had gone on for a bit. Uh, the comics love a good, uh, here's an alternate character from an alternate future or an alternate version that the story demands you get rid of them because of the way it's written. But then it becomes popular like, oh, we forgot to mention that, hey, there's a, <laughs> this character does exist and they were impersonating them. <laughs> I think Blink from that uh, 
what was that X-Men story? Was it Onslaught where they went into the future? and Age of Apocalypse. Age of Apocalypse. Yeah, Blink is like the most famous example of that was from that alternate future, but then Blink was very popular. So suddenly, wow, they found a way to <laughs> yeah, <it was laughs> to bring him into the... And I've referenced it on the show before. The uh, You ever watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Yep. Oh, yeah. When they did that episode where uh, Cordelia wished Buffy never came to Sunnydale and we got Evil Willow... And then, oh, later on, they surprise, surprise, they found a way to bring Evil Willow back. But that's neither here nor there. So on that note, we are going to watch Avengers Assemble, episode The Thunderbolts. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You've seen them on the big screen. Now see them on your screen. We're going to need a team effort here. Four. Captain America. Avengers Forever. The Hulk. Smash! Iron Man. Ah, that's the stuff. The ultimate team of heroes. Elegant and pig-headed. You'll make a fine Avenger. In their own brand new animated series. Avengers Assemble. Marvel's Avengers Assemble. A brand new animated series. Premieres Sunday, July 7th on Disney XD. <laughs> Warner Brothers is proud to present the story of a rebel. I know you are, but what am I? And his bike. <laughs> Pee-wee Herman in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. You will believe a man can ride a bike. I meant to do that. Rated PG. Now playing at a theater near you. Hello, guys. Do you like my style? You can have it as well. Sudkovia. We offer elegant clothes, but also casual clothes. Pajamas, sweaters, t-shirt, socks, sneakers, everything. Nastrovi. Come and visit us. In Sudkovia. Check out Sudkovia. Meanwhile, behind the facade of this innocent-looking podcast... And we are back. Hopefully you just also watched Avengers Assemble, The Thunderbolts. I gotta say, I don't... I haven't watched a lot of this disappointing there isn't much of a if any of a theme song on this show yeah it's unfortunately just that kind of like music sting and then the logo there and everything uh but you definitely uh, now that i'm watching it again uh, i yeah i'm I'm painfully reminder yeah this is heavily influenced by the 2012 movie all right <laughs> now there's an opening fight scene where they're fighting growing man can you believe that he was a, a marvel character from like the 60s or 70s there I wasn't. I didn't look it up, but I was like, "Is this a <laughs> an actual character or just somebody they invented for the show?" But yes, growing man, who basically they took Goliath power and mixed it with Sebastian Stain, pretty much, where he is big, but he absorbs kinetic energy and it makes him bigger. During the fight, the thunderbolts appear, and uh. There's a line about it doesn't matter how many new heroes show up, we can't stop this growing man. <laughs> we, get, we get a brief credit scene where it's pretty much just the logo and 
really no music or nothing. Yeah, a little disappointing, but I think that was just kind of a trend with a lot of the shows just during this time in general. I feel like it's not just like, because I know also Ultimate Spider-Man was like that. I think it's just a lot of cartoons at the time were doing that. I just, especially with like an adventure or a superhero or you need a good theme song to get people like, get people juiced up. Mm-hmm. I mean, what would Doctor Who be like, for example, without that <laughs> opening theme song? Now, in some of the cities getting destroyed, or a particularly ridiculous scene where Thor, Falcon, and Iron Man catch a building and straighten it back up. But don't worry, Hawkeye's there to glue it back with an arrow, too. I'm not sure the <laughs> physics of how that actually works. But, uh, <laughs> at one point, the Thunderbolt's going for action. This really annoyed me where uh, Citizen V told Atlas to get him in a bear hug. But then Atlas proceeds to get him in like a full Nelson. <laughs> Atlas, not really known for being the smartest character. He just kind of went with it. <laughs> they kind of get his legs tied up. They're going to fight him. Iron Man says to, uh, to back off, we got this. Hulk shoots right up the nose of growing man. <laughs> and you can tell that he's punched him from the inside. And then he collapses. Hulk comes out and. Hulk had uh, attacked his neuroprocessing center. This makes Stark think that uh, Hulk must have some scientific knowledge, which is there an implication that he doesn't know he's Bruce Banner or is he just complimenting Hulk? Uh, I would assume it was just a reference to Bruce. I believe there's actually been episodes and stuff with Bruce in it at this point. So, With a little examination of Growing Man, he finds that uh, he's been, he might be using some uh, Stark technology. Stark, right off the bat, really takes a dislike to the Thunderbolts. Like, Yeah, that was one of the parts that kind of bothered me in the episode. I was just like, Tony, you have, they've done nothing. You have no reason to like hate them as much as you seem to. Yeah, he really has a grudge right off the bat. They get uh, interviewed by the, the Bugle News Network. The news report says something to the effects of, uh, these might be the new heroes that we need. <laughs> Hawkeye didn't like that particularly. Um, I'm not sure why the public is so enamored with these guys who showed up two minutes ago, did one thing, and suddenly the Avengers are yesterday's news. I mean, it's like you said earlier, look at Citizen V's outfit. That's so cool. We gotta be all over these guys. They uh, throw in the, I don't know if it was them or their publicist that threw in the catchphrase of justice like lightning. Mm -hmm. The best part, well, (laughs) this is the best and the worst part to me. It It was so stupid, but it made me laugh. This little kid runs up so excited for Iron Man's autograph. (laughs) Gets it. But then he's mad because he had actually wanted Mach 4's autograph. (laughs) He he thought Iron Man was Mach 4. Well, there's a guy in an iron suit. Come on. They all look like machines. How can you tell? This this is like season three. Like this little kid doesn't know the difference between Mach 4 and Iron Man. Also, not even counting the fact that Mach 4 is literally like just 10 feet away from the child. Like. Uh, but uh, they end up going back to the Avengers Mansion and they're, uh, they're looking into them. Not a lot of uh, a digital footprint on the Thunderbolts. Tony's going to go investigate because he's super suspicious. This was uh, just another thing, too, of just like there's not a lot of digital footprint of them. Well, I'm just like, I mean, if they have secret identities, why would there be? Yeah. <laughs> He uh, goes to their headquarters where uh, Falcon asks Tony if uh, if it's just his ego that's influencing all the suspicion, <laughs> which he says, I don't have an ego. It's part of the reason I'm perfect. <laughs> so they end up having a, 
I wouldn't call it a confrontation, but more of a heated discussion with the Thunderbolts, where uh, Citizen V's kind of disappointed because he was always a fan of Tony's work, despite the fact his tech's a little outdated. And Tony is just, again, just chomping at the bits to say, like, maybe you're stealing from me, basically. Yeah, he's really convinced that not only is there something suspicious about it, but they've stolen Stark technology. Like, there's no way these guys have superpowers, and there's no way if they... If it's not enhanced ability, it has to come from Stark technology. Unfortunately, I think it's one of the the problems of the episode is just they've never any real reason why like Tony or some of the other Avengers are so suspicious or hostile towards the Thunderbolts outside of they're doing it for the fame, maybe. But that still hasn't really come across very well. They all show up. There's a little bit of a fight, uh, but then a big bomb kind of shows up. With a hologram of Justin Hammer. And this Justin Hammer is painfully, obviously, more based on the Sam Rockwell interpretation of Justin Hammer than the actual comic version, which I gotta say, I love Sam Rockwell. But his Justin Hammer is one of the worst things that ever happened. To the- <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have uh, put a contention there because I love the Sam Rockwell Justin Hammer. I guess if you've never read a comic book with Justin Hammer, maybe you. <laughs> I I just love him as because just it's more it is more just because it is Sam Rockwell playing him where he's just like so obviously like an idiot like who's in way over his head and trying to like keep control of everything. I mean, he's a little smarter in this version. He has a force field around this hologram and saying this is a bomb that's going to vape all of them just to get them all in one sloop. Now they have to they can't just run away because I think it's Iron Man. One of them points out it would blow up a city block so. They can't just leave and let the bomb blow up. So finally, uh, Iron Man and uh, Techno, they disrupt the force field together enough so Meteorite can phase through and pull the bomb out of there. and Everything is hunky-dory. Uh, and I was actually, as I said, I wasn't super familiar with the Avengers Assemble cartoon before this. I've only seen a handful of episodes. Uh, but I was reading how this was one of the few kind of hints they dropped off of about kind of the Thunderbolts, which exactly like the comics, all of these guys had shown up previously in the series as part of the masters of evil. So both like some of the voices and like some of the powers they use, like meteorite phasing and stuff was supposed to be kind of hints that like, Oh, it is exactly like the comic and everything there that we're doing. Well, that's kind of clever. Then they built it up. So they probably had this in mind at some point down the road. Mm-hmm, yeah, and for fans, or like if they haven't read the comic, it could still be somewhat of a twist if you're not looking for it. I also love the Masters of Evil. They've always been like the bad guy version of the Avengers, where pretty much every Marvel villain at one point or another has been a member of the Masters of Evil. The Thunderbolts want to work with them on this, but of course, Tony says that the Avengers will handle it. <laughs> they locate Hammer is uh he's got is the singles coming from three locations. So, they never really establish if the Thunderbolts on their own also decided to split up, or if they all decide to work together, we'll send a group of Thunderbolts and Avengers to all three locations. Yeah, I think it's uh, more implied, yeah, the, the Thunderbolts themselves went there, or maybe something else is going on if we know that they're villains, actually, here, too. So, uh, Cap- Captain America and Black Widow, they're, they're in one location with Citizen V and Songbird. Iron Man, Hulk, they're in another one with uh, Fixer, well, Techno, and Atlas. 
And then Thor, Falcon, and Hawkeye are in the last one with Mach 4 and Meteorite. And all of them get into a big fight with these, the Mandroids. Now, if you notice, uh, Cap, he's actually working with the Thunderbolts. You know, he's uh, trying to make mm-hmm. strategy with them and, you know, coordinate. So they're kind of working together, no problem. Falcon, in his group, he comments how he appreciates the extra help. But Thor and Iron Man, both not liking it. Thor says they can handle it alone. Iron Man says they just want to handle it. They don't need these guys. In fact, Iron Man tells Hulk if they get in the way to smash them. Yeah, I was also going to point that out. It's just like, Iron Man, that seems like too much. Come on. (laughs) Hulk says he's glad to, but that's just Hulk. He likes to smash everybody. Everyone, they they defeat the androids. They all get into the bunker. They realize that Hammer has has stolen all this tech from Tony Stark. So, like, it's not even like he came up with any of his own inventions. It's basically he stole it all from Stark and just sort of changed it a little bit. Ah, classic. Classic Justin Hammer. (laughs) Ah, now he he seals off the factories. He's going to blow them all up at once. He did it too quickly. He's not going to make that mistake a second time. But... They all work together, save the day, get out of the explosions, nobody dies. And in fact, at one point after this, Atlas and Hulk do a like a superhuman fist bump. Fist bump, yeah. <laughs> it causes like a shockwave. <laughs> Thunderbolts, uh, they monitor a phone call where their publicist has been giving uh, Justin Hammer some info. This led to a great little transaction where Citizen V said he never fully trusted her, which Hawkeye retorts with, yeah... No one who can get you on the late night TV shows that easily can be trusted. And also, yeah, that's it's not that Hawkeye doesn't trust him, but uh, them getting the credit, hogging the glory, that seems to stick in Hawkeye's craw more than anything. <laughs> yeah, he seems to be born one. Yeah, with, uh, has the kind of like the jealousy more motivating him. Well, at least that's some motivation compared to some of the others. Tony just just he's got a gut feeling. Mm-hmm. They track Hammer to his real location where. Lo and behold, there's a mega mandroid, which is giant, which also like is kind of a like a Transformers or a Voltron with like smaller robots come out of them, like tanks and whatnot. But this time the Avengers, the Thunderbolts, they work together. They're victorious. They beat the mandroid, the mega mandroid, and they even capture one Justin Hammer. Go back to Thunderbolts HQ. Everybody seems to be all right. They call up their publicist. Uh, she tells them that she's uh, working on a three-picture deal with them right now. <laughs> They're going to join the MCU. <laughs> but right then there, Susan B says, you're fired. <laughs> they fire it all good. Everybody's kind of happy. Even Tony, he doesn't really apologize, but he warms up to him at the end. Says how... Uh, he even uh, thinks he might be able to trust them. And as they leave, Citizen B says, excellent. Trust is what we want. And you get this kind of ominous music where if you didn't know what was going on, you know that there's something kind of weird going on with the Thunderbolt. Yeah, they're kind of dropping hints that, yeah, not exactly the full it's the Masters of Evil reveal yet, but something's up. And then this was the weird part of this episode. Like I would have thought that would be the to be continued part of the episode. 
But instead, we get the scene of the Avengers heading back to New York, and there's a voiceover saying, new teams of heroes will always come and go, but the Avengers are here to stay. And then uh, they say, get in line for talk show circuit. (laughs) And then we get the end of the episode. (laughs) Avengers assemble (laughs) the Thunderbolts. Really, because the... This, it is a two-parter, right? The second episode has more in the Thunderbolt. Yeah. It was a weird way to end. I would have thought that line from Citizen V with the music would have been the perfect to be continued fade to black. I don't know what was with that extra voiceover at the end. Yeah, I also thought that was very weird. It was just like exactly the same thing. I'm like, yeah, Citizen V turns around dramatically. You get the ominous music and everything. And then, yes, it cuts to just the Avengers jet flying over New York. And you're like, okay. <laughs> kind of weird. And you would almost think if I didn't know better that that was it. That was the end. Maybe the Thunderbolts will show up again, but <laughs> there's not much more to it. Then you tune in next week and it's like, oh, yeah, they're right here. <laughs> <laughs> there we have Avengers Assemble. Thunderbolts. Uh, we're going to get into a review in a second, but one thing I noticed is, uh, I think you mentioned it earlier on, is uh, the the animation is it's it's okay, you know. Yeah, I would say that at kind of the best <laughs> the compliment you can give it is it's okay. Yeah, I was just there wasn't anything really wrong with it. It was fine, but it just didn't seem inspired. It wasn't stylized. It wasn't like based you know usually I, I expect for like a certain style or it's based on like you think of a classic comic book artist when you look at it i would even say it was really based on the actors all that much yeah i think and more my problem and i know they had the just marvel's spider-man which came after ultimate spider-man has a similar problem where it just also everything seems kind of like flat like there doesn't really seem to be much kind of difference in the animation between the characters and the backgrounds so they all just kind of like it all just kind of looks samey at a lot of the time when you're just looking at the screen. And like, wasn't like a lot of like really, it wasn't like a really good score that got you like really invested in like poignant scenes, like no good theme song. I don't know. There's a lot. Well, I mean, before we get into an actual review, what, what do you think of their interpretation of the Thunderbolts? Yeah, I think ultimately they're fine. Like it's a solid enough adaptation of kind of like that first couple issues and everything like just tweaks to fit in with the show. But Honestly, I think more just my kind of problem is they it's one of the issues of just having because it's two teams. No one kind of really gets a whole lot to do. Like, honestly, like Iron Man and maybe Falcon get the most to do in the entire episode. So it kind of came across. It was like we're like halfway through and I don't even think I heard like Moonstone say a line this entire thing, really. Other than Tony, there really wasn't nobody really got a lot of screen time, a lot of dialogue, a lot of character development. It was, you know, yeah, too much going on. So not any one person got to do a lot. Yeah. Which maybe there's more in the, like the second part there or anything, but when it's like the reveal and now it's them fighting, probably I assume more, but yeah, unfortunately just, yeah, I kind of came across as we have the characters we're doing the story, but we ultimately can't really, we got too much to do to try to get things moving, to set everything up. I almost think it would have been better to have done like a three-part episode where one episode focuses completely on the Thunderbolts, then maybe a second episode where they interact and meet, and then a third episode is a climax, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm being an armchair uh, comic writer here. 
I also know that they maybe only had the so many episodes to do it because if I remember correctly, this season has a big Ultron storyline. Like the tagline is like Avengers Assemble Ultron Revolution there. Uh, and then if I also remember, there's also like, I don't remember if it's this season or next, but like, I think towards the end of this, there's also a Civil War sort of thing. You know, I, I think I, they're just trying to do a lot this season, <laughs> if I remember. That's a lot to be jamming into a sing- season of a cartoon. Okay, on that note, we're going to go over to our spectrometer. Anyone new to the show, we rank what we saw. Zero spectros being garbage. Four spectros being it just doesn't get any better than that. Jamie, you're the guest. You're going to go first. How are you going to rank Avengers Assemble the Thunderbolts? Well, now here's the actual question. It's can I do half spectrum? Uh, people do. <laughs> yeah, they, they do halves, quarters. They do all sorts of wacky fractions. I don't want to step on any rules or anything. Um, I would honestly, ha- sadly, have to give the episode maybe like one and a half then. It's honestly all kind of mid, unfortunately. Like it's neat to see the characters in animation and everything. They're like being utilized. But it's exactly kind of what we were just talking about of Ah, this the story's fine. Not a lot of character growth going on. The animation's fine. It's all just kind of fine, which kind of just makes it not really memorable or anything, unfortunately. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two. I'd say meh was my reaction pretty much. Like nothing really wrong with it. Nothing offensively bad, but nothing about it stands out to me either. I could have gone my whole life and not watch this and I, I wouldn't have cared. Like I can't imagine anyone out there unless they're a big Thunderbolts fan is, is going out highly recommending this episode and telling someone, dude, you've just got to see this episode. And I am a big Thunderbolts fan and I don't think I would be doing that. But what do you think out there? You might've disagreed with us. Did you like Avengers assemble the Thunderbolts? If you liked it uh, more than James in me, that's okay. You couldn't have liked it too much less than we did, but, uh, I want to hear from you anyway, so go to James uh, or my social media and uh, let me know what you thought. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matt Spectro. Follow me while you're there. And on Facebook, you can find me at uh, Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Give me uh, your two cents as well. James, uh, I want to thank you for joining us again this week. Yeah, of course. Usually this is a free plug time. Uh, I don't know what you would have going on that you'd want to plug on your own, but uh, if there is anything, now would be the time to do so. Yeah, I mean, I always, just in general, if you want to follow me and hear my bad takes on other comics and other things, you can do that. <laughs> I'm at, at really just Jamer on Twitter and pretty much everything else. My only real plug is just uh, if anyone wants there wants to check out some local music, uh, my friend's band, The Town Criers, you can find them on Bandcamp and stuff. I help out with some of their editing, mostly in writing and stuff. Not a ton, but lyrics and such like that. But if you want to check them out, oh, it's good to help out a friend. Oh, before we go, I did want to bring up, what are your thoughts on the MCU's uh, take on the Thunderbolts? Obviously, we don't know much because we've really pretty much got a lineup and that's it. But what do you think about what we've heard so far? I mean, I'm excited just because I love the franchise. So I'm excited just as the Thunderbolts on the big screen sort of thing. And like, I mean, the lineup's fine. I don't like dislike any of it, the choices or anything. So I'm excited to see where it goes. And I know like Thunderbolt Ross is also going to show there. And I know it's the, we got Winter Soldier and everything Ghost from Ant-Man and 
a whole bunch of people. So it's like it's a neat yeah, cast, U- I suppose. U.S. Agent, um, Red Guardian. Uh, I do I, love Red Guardians. I think <laughs> I think the the new Black Widow might be a part of it. I feel like I'm missing somebody, but um, I <clears throat> I here's the thing about Red Guardian. I absolutely he was my favorite part of Black Widow. Oh yeah. But at the same time, if you took him out of the movie, it wouldn't have made a damn, a damn difference. Oh yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that's the problem. I just think David Harbor is just hamming it up as the character, and it just made him so compelling. Is where I'm just like, sure, just give me more of just him in this movie. Uh, the main complaint I've heard online, whatnot, is that it's just a bunch of Cap knockoffs. Like, it's a bunch of like characters that have like similar to Cap's power set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is why I feel like we're probably going to they're probably going to do it more as like a like a black ops sort of like a suicide squad take. I would imagine of like these are all characters that they're not like, yeah, like Thor or Hulk level. So we're going to send them more on like secret black ops kind of missions or something like that, which I mean, that works with kind of like what the team is. I would love to, you know, they do some of that de-aging technology, do a flashback where they bring Chris Evans back and. There's some Cap Red Guardian fight that, you know, we never saw before that when they were younger. Because obviously he's been Red Guardian longer than the movie. It's not like he became Red Guardian in the movie. So I would love to see some sort of flashback scene with Chris Evans and see Cap fight Red Guardian. Yeah, and I know the two hopes I really had for it, which, I mean, could still happen, is I know I love uh, the MCU Zemo, and I would love to have him back more. Uh, And also... I, it's a pipe dream, but I would love if uh, Captain Marvel 2 introduces Moonstone because she's just one of my favorite Marvel villains. And if she got to be in the movie, too, it'd also be great. Well, if we get Zemo not dancing, then I'll be fine with bringing Zemo back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just don't want him to come back to wear his mask for five seconds and then dance. So, uh, <laughs> up in the air on that. You can also uh, let us know what you think of the mcu upcoming thunderbolts film on that note i want to thank you all for joining us i want to thanks james for uh joining us for the first time in 2023 yeah of course happy to be i uh, hope you come back uh you never know because in my two-year anniversary coming up i bring back my five most popular guests so you're you're in the running for the fifth spot right now so you might be introduced you might be back quicker than you think and we could do part two and see the reveal <laughs> People get the views of what may see the second part of this show. And uh, out there, if you could uh, subscribe to my podcast, I really appreciate it. Uh, send me a like. If you have suggestions, hit me up on uh, social media as well. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back next week for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro through the multiverse, everybody. Bye.